Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me, as always, my co-host in life, my co-host, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. And you're along with us as we keep this hope train and moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! We are hawkers of hope. We're originators of optimism. We are purveyors of positivity. And we are engineers of encouragement. Jen, did you know we were all the things? We're so many things. So many hope things. Yes. I love it. <laughs> How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing uh, fantabulous. Wow. I'm I... doing fantabulous, fantastic, expialidocious awesomeness. Super califragilistic expialidocious. That was good. Yeah. That was out of nowhere. <laughs> that was a little random. I love Mary Poppins. I'm doing, you know, I feel good because I just got a haircut. I always feel good when I get a haircut. All, yeah. Well, I got more than one haircut. I got all of them cut. You sure did. <laughs> I was getting a little long, getting a little fluffy. I'm surprised you didn't let me cut it this time. No. <laughs> I didn't want to go bald. We ha That happened once, and I've been forever traumatized by your ability to cut my hair. I think I got better. Really? Yes. With, under what practicing? Um, Who has practiced with you to get better? I just, I watched more. What? I watched more YouTube videos. Really? <laughs> No, thank you. If there's somebody listening that wants to have Jen cut their hair, go for it. Call me. Not going to be me. It me. It's you. <laughs> definitely. I'm excited because, uh, you know, today's show is going to be awesome. We're going to talk about uh, children. We're going to talk about sponsored children. Okay. You know, we, we're a house of sponsored children. Yes. We have not only four of our own, we have 13 others out there. Yeah. So crazy story. You know, our kids have such huge hearts for others. So, you know, we go to church and you know, all of a sudden the Compassion International is doing a presentation and they put these envelopes on your chair and you got these cute faces looking at you that need sponsorship or support. And they just so, want to eat. I know. You know, and so I know. you feel bad. You do feel bad. And so our kids felt bad too. So yeah. our two oldest, Colby and Gavin, you know, I think when they were 16, had part-time jobs, et cetera. They're like, mom, dad, we want to sponsor a child. And I'm like, yeah, awesome. Go for it. <laughs> Three months later, they don't have a job anymore, and we inherit their sponsored children. Yeah, so fast like forward multiple years, multiple instances mm -hmm. of this, and we've got uh, 12 kids of our own, plus four naturally born have, kids of ours. I think we have 13. I, yeah. 12 or 13. 12 or 13. I think it's 13. Depen depends on how recent it, it was, but quite a few. Yes. Let's make it a baker's dozen. <gasps> it is a baker's dozen. 13. 13, my 13 favorite. Kids. So we're going to be talking to uh, a gentleman that is part of a large organization mm -hmm. that helps kids. So I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about the show. I'm excited that I can see blue sky yes. here in Cali, Cali yes. land. Yes, there's no more smoke. Well, there's still smoke, yeah. but I can smell it more than I can see it. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is that season. This mm -hmm. is that time where, uh, unfortunately, California is besieged by yeah. fires. Yep. This is probably my least favorite time of year. Yeah, because it, it's, it's really, hot, really hot, sticky, smoky, and there's fire threats all the time. Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, I like it. So what's your favorite time of year? I love fall because it's my birthday. Yeah. And it, the leaves change and nature's so pretty and the, the weather changes. And it's just, it's my favorite time to be outside running. Um, 
I just love all the colors. Yeah, those two weeks of fall here in California are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I miss. I miss, as a kid, I used to live in Idaho, and mm-hmm. Idaho, there was four distinct seasons. I mean, like, you really had fall for, like, three months. That was awesome. Yeah. Here in California, I think spring's two weeks, and then fall's, like, two weeks, and you've got summer and mm-hmm. winter. Well, what's really cool, because we live in a forest, um, driving home and seeing all the different varieties of trees and all their ever-changing leaves. And yes. so you've got like the bright reds and the yellows and the oranges and the greens, and there's just so much color. It just makes me so happy. I agree. And I love pumpkin spice everything. Yeah, and we're coming into Christmas and the holidays mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. family time and love and thankfulness and goodness and all those good things. Yeah, how are we going to celebrate being in quarantine? Um, Keep, well, I guess it's just going to be us and our pod. Yeah, just us and our kids. And yeah. hey, that's the way we always roll anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, you ready for joke time? I'm ready. Let's tell some funnies. You Let's go. get people some laughter. Make Let's get them- the people laugh, Sean. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to attempt to do so. So I'll go first, all right? Okay. What sits at the bottom of the sea and twitches? Hmm. The bottom of the sea and yeah. twitches. What sits at the bottom of the sea and twitches? I scream. <laughs> <laughs> no, a nervous wreck. Oh, like the Titanic? Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one, huh? Yeah, that was a good one. All right, I'm ready for yours. Okay. Why did the people dance to the vegetable band? Why did the people dance to the vegetable band? I don't know. Why would they do that? Because it had a good beat. <laughs> do you like beats? Um, no. You don't? No. I think you Not do. particularly. Why oh, do you think I do? I, no, you like radishes. I like radishes, yeah. Yeah, I don't. But like- I don't like beets. Beets taste like dirt to me. They, t- they taste like earth. They do, but they're so good for iron. Really? Yeah. I like I, to put them in smoothies. but they, they can be good for a lot of things. I just don't like the taste of them. Did you know that there's different color beets? No. Yeah. Uh, there are more colors than just red? Yeah. What are the other color beets? There's a yellow one. Really? Mm-hmm. Can we try that one? We can find it. Where do they, where do they get yellow beets? Do they taste know. different or do they still I taste like dirt? I don't know. Can I get an amen for anybody else out there that thinks they taste like dirt? I Amen. I think they taste like <laughs> dirt too, but I... That's why they must have so much iron in it. Here's the crazy like thing, soil. though. Here's the crazy thing, though. You what? have had to have tasted dirt to know that beets taste like dirt. Oh, my gosh. I used to eat dirt as a kid. Didn't what? you? Didn't no. you make mud pies? Maybe. Yes. I used to and make you ate mud it? pies and you, you eat them. You ate your mud pie. Yeah. Pie. Really? Yeah. Ask Madden. Madden eats sand. He didn't eat mud pies. But he, I didn't teach him how to do that. Darn it. <laughs> I wonder at the age of 14, he'll eat one of my mud pies. Uh, well, I know I won't, so let's hope he does. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I want to get into uh, our interview. We got Mitch Hildebrandt coming in from onechild.org to talk with us. And I'm excited to talk with him because he's got a story himself to mm-hmm. share about hope and overcoming adversity. But he's also an advocate for 40,000 kids in 14 different countries Ooh. that don't have the basic necessities of life. And so I'm excited to talk with him about that mission of hope that he's part of with onechild.org. So technically he has 40,000 kids. Yes. That's Can you believe it? amazing. I agree. That's, yeah. that's, that's awesome. He wins. He does. So let's get him on the line and let's hear what he's got going on. Let's hear his story. Let's hear about onechild.org. Let's call him. What do you say? Yeah. All right, let's do it. 
All right, I've got Mitch Hildebrandt on the line. Welcome to the show, Mitch. How are you today? Well, I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me. How are you all doing? Hey, we are in the uh, Northern California area, so we are besieged by smoke, fires, rolling blackouts, and some excruciating heat at points. But other than that, we're living our best pandemic life. It's (laughs) awesome. We are hope-filled and eager and excited to talk with you. You know, sometimes it feels like 2020 could be a new four-letter word, but we're here in Colorado Springs, (laughs) uh, another beautiful, sunny, kind of uh, crisp day, and uh, the mountain pike peak is just looming in the distance. The smoke for us has cleared. It's kind of gone and pushed north, so uh, feeling for all those people that have been going through all of what has been happening the past month with that on top of, you know, some worldwide pandemic we've been uh, stuck in for some time now, too. Why don't you throw in a hurricane, Hurricane Laura as well? Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's just this trifecta of uh, natural disasters and pandemics and all kinds of challenges. 2020 is going to be the year of testing, I think, is what it is. It's going <laughs> to be think, the year I of... Think so, but you know what? Go ahead. There's, there's a great thing that's come out of this. Um, nobody has, has really mentioned the murder hornets lately, so I think we're away from them. <laughs> yes, this is true. So that seems like two years ago. Here's another one for you. How long ago does the Australian wildfire seem? Doesn't it seem like five years ago? And that oh, was like in January. Goodness. Yeah, it's been a ridiculous year. But, you know, I, I know this, there, that hope continues to remain, and I know that that's what this program is all about. And that's what gives me hope is knowing that there are people still talking about that hope and hope is this action driving force that causes us, it turns into a verb, right? It causes us to make a momentum and a step and a stride forward, not knowing what's, what's to come, but knowing that there's something better that's out there. And that's the, that's the joy of hope. Hey, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that we're going to have you become our new announcer for the uh, Hope Radio podcast, man. That was <laughs> yeah. succinct. That was to the point. That was good stuff right there. You you know hope. You've seen hope. You've witnessed it. You've been around it. And you've seen the positive effects of it. And so uh, I was excited to talk with you. I know you work with OneChild.org. I know you're, you're, you have a huge heart for children and feeding children. But I also know that you're an individual, you're a human, you've got a backstory, you've got a life. And so I, I know you've come up with, you know, touching your own adversity in life and challenges in your life. And so maybe you can give us a little bit of a, of a backstory. You mentioned in our, in our pre-show conversation that you had something happen to you while you were living and working in Africa. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I used to run a radio network, a Christian radio broadcast network in the States. And from there, I was uh, speaking on behalf of children at other radio networks and taking mission trips of their audience members overseas. My wife and I, we weren't able to have children. And uh, through a number of years of all the testing and all the attempts and trials and all the stuff that goes with it, um, we began to realize God's plan unfold. So we thought we'd try to adopt. Uh, we tried to adopt a, a young uh, uh, from a young couple in South Dakota. They were 16 years old, and I'm certain that having a baby didn't necessarily fit into their plans, and we said we would cover everything. Uh, unfortunately, the couple decided to have an abortion instead of uh, adopting out the baby, and we were kind of gutted, and uh, we knew we had a heart and a passion for kids. We felt like God always promised us kids. And as we were taking these teams overseas, these trips of people, we landed in Swaziland, now renamed Eswatini. It's a little tiny country, the kingdom, uh, monarch uh, uh, that rules it, the King Maswati III. And it's right between South Africa and Mozambique, and they're amazing people. We took a team of people there. 
And uh, while we were there, we realized that that was home and that that was our calling was to take care of these kids, these these orphaned kids. A majority of the kids we work with uh, were HIV orphaned. They're um, the, the generation that is yours and my generation, almost completely absent. They have passed from HIV. So it's grandmothers or aunties raising children. And we, uh, we realized during that trip that we were called to move there. A year later, we were on the ground permanently. And then eight months later, I fell sick. So we went to the doctor, and uh, the doctor said, oh, it looks like appendicitis. So I talked to my nurse that was on staff helping us oversee the project work that we were working with. We had 6,000 kids at the time that we were working hands-on with at uh, just over 20 locations. And uh, the doctor says, yeah, appendicitis should be good. The nurse says, yeah, you shouldn't need to worry. He's a good doctor. I know him. I've worked with him in the field and in the clinic. And um, we said, okay, well, take out the appendix. So they take out the appendix. I wake up, and I've got a zipper trap down the front of my chest. I'm like, that's bigger than an appendix scar. What happened? And they told me that, oh, we found a tumor, so we took it out as well. But it was attached to part of your intestine, so we took part of that out too. And I said, well, glad you found a tumor. All right, let's let's get going. Let's get back to healing. Oh, my God. So, so so let me let me pause right there. So you, you yeah. come out of surgery oh expecting to have your appendix removed only to uh-huh. find <laughs> a <laughs> serious, serious uh, zipper tract in your in your chest. And then they just roll out to you. Hey, by the way, yeah, there was a tumor in there and then there was some part of your intestines. And so we had to take that out, too. And. By the way, you might miss a little bit of your liver, and you, you know we had to massage your heart. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, how do you, how do you process that when you're coming out of that situation? I, I just I'm dumbfounded at, at that little... that can happen. <laughs> yeah, I was I was obviously a little panicked, going, "What just happened here?" And luckily, they had me medicated, so that probably helped them more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. Well, we go through that. And I begin to get sicker, and they have to uh, ambulance me across the border to South Africa, where there's a little bit better medical care. Uh, it turns out I had gone septic, and there's a bunch of other issues. And I ended up laying in the hospital for about five months. They had to reroute my intestine uh, and put a colostomy bag on the side. And then uh, we found out during one of those surgeries or reroutes that they had to um, reroute uh, my, my back left kidney. They had to put a nephrostomy bag on that one to drain that kidney because it had been severed in one of those procedures. And so it was just all the worst case scenarios. And I won't go into the laborious, grotesque details of it all, but you begin to question your call when something like that happens. And I know a lot of people that have been through some hard times and I just, I I ache for them because I know that sometimes it's easy to enter that stage of hopelessness. And quite frankly, I got there. I was like, I just wish I could fall asleep and wake up healed. Um, There's a deeper, obvious meaning to that, but yeah, um, that's understood. In, in the physical. Um, so a lot of narcotics ended up going into a coma for about three weeks and uh, had to get the, the intubation and, the, and couldn't couldn't breathe after that. So I had to get the tracheostomy. So literally a worst case scenario. Here's the amazing thing, though. I don't want to focus on all that. The amazing thing is a year prior, I'd met a young man. His name is Jason. He's now in Denver, Colorado. He was a surgeon. He had just gotten out of out of the war in Afghanistan. He was an uh, army vet. And uh, he was a surgeon, and he had come over on a team, and we'd met him in Swaziland. He had heard about me falling sick and started communicating with my wife and the surgeon now in South Africa, giving them advice and, and detailing what the next step should be, that I wasn't able to travel back to the States. 
So he really helped nurse me to a point of good health. And then we returned to the state. I didn't have U.S. insurance. I didn't have any kind of a policy for stateside medical care. And he says, well, come to our hospital. We'll let you introduce, we'll introduce you to our CEO and uh, see what we can do. So he has three doctors, a uh, skin graft guy and, and uh, the CEO sitting in a room with me. And they said, well, it's going to cost about $300,000. I'm like, uh, I got about twenty. <laughs> and uh, through through a series of talks, the CEO just moves his hands from being like stretched wide out across the table, slowly closer and closer and closer together. Kind of like how you measure a fish the opposite way most people measure a fish. And they just <laughs> getting closer and closer. And he goes, well, I think we could do this for about, you know, I think it was 18000 by the time it's all said and done. Because none of the doctors, all of the doctor's paperwork is going to be, quote unquote, lost. It's not going to make it to my desk. And this guy's going to donate this, and this guy's going to do this, and we're going to do a Medicare rate for that. So they got me patched up, and three weeks later, I flew back to Africa with my wife uh, to continue the work that we had started. And we can look at all of these things that impact us and how they hurt us in this world. This world's going to give us trials and testings and tribulations, uh, but he's overcome that. And here's the greatest part. There was a, there's a, a, a several series of verses in Second Chronicles around chapter 20, and Jehoshaphat, this dude that's going up against, in war, going up against three armies against his one. And I have to imagine, he must be like up on a hillside, and he can see what's coming, almost like out of the Lord of the Rings type of thing. You can see what's coming. Three armies coming to decimate you, and God says, stand firm, stand fast, wait and see. I've gone ahead of you. I will fight this battle for you. We see it again with Moses back in Exodus 14. We see that same theme happening throughout the Bible. And I think what's amazing to me is how that is so relevant today, a spiritual picture of a physical truth. And that physical truth was that same thing applied to me today. Because what happened with Jehoshaphat, he just stayed firm and waited and saw what happened. He began to praise God amidst what was supposed to kill him. Well, those armies, as we read on, those armies get all confused. They kill each other. And Jehoshaphat and his guys go down off the hillside, clean up the plunder. They pick up all the gold, all the swords, all the chain mail, anything they could collect from all of these armies. For three days, they collect all of this priceless treasure. The thing that was supposed to kill them ended up a blessing in their lives. They collected plunder. Their plunder was, was in the fabric of gold and, and additional uh, war materials. My plunder is in the lives that God allowed to be touched through my experience. A nurse that came to Christ at my bedside because my mother and my, my wife were there praying over me day in and day out. And she didn't understand it because in Africa, it's unheard of for people to spend that much time in a hospital and be able to get better. They were fully expecting me to die. The thing that was supposed to kill me has turned into plunder for my life. It gave me a renewed passion for a cause for the lives of children, a new passion for those that go through adversity, uh, so much so that we recognize that that valley was renamed Baraka. Baraka means Valley of Praise. And to this day, thousands of years later, that valley is still called the Valley of Baraka, the Valley of Praise. Love that. I love that. Wonder. I love that. I have so to wonder if, if somebody that's listening is, is wondering what their Valley of Praise is and when it's coming, because I guarantee this, it is. God's Word says in Romans eight twenty eight, He works all things good for the glory of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. And, and if, if somebody is listening today and is wondering this situation they're going through just seems like death itself and nothing can get better, I got to tell you, 
you are so far from the truth. The truth says that he's working it for good. And that valley that you're in that is meant to kill you truly does become a valley of praise. I have collected plunder for the last eight years since this has happened. And, and every, every so often when I put my eyes focused where they need to be, I see what more plunder has come from it. It's made me a better person by far. And it's, it's opened up the doorway and pathway for me into ministry. So when we moved back to the States, I began pastoring a church that we helped plant um, many years ago. Uh, they, were, they had grown and gotten to size up in South Dakota. And uh, then one child said, hey, would you come back and be on staff with us again? It's been, uh, at that time, 10 years. Would you, would you jump back in with us? And uh, our heart and our passion has always been kids. And seeing kids have that same kind of hope, that same kind of opportunity that can really dramatically change their world and the world of those around them. Well said. I, I, you know, I just can't help but just marvel at your victory, your overcoming with Christ's help, with God's help. You know, you sit here and I can only imagine that you you must have thought because I I I thought it. You know, like, why did this happen? What? Why me? Like, what? what what's going on? Like, the, the the surgery, the mistake, the sepsis, the sepsis, the you know, colostomy bags, the kidneys. It just seemed like you had this cascade of of adversity rolling downhill, gathering more adversity. You know, and so then then he turns it around. Some guy that you haven't met follows your story, reaches out to you as a surgeon, connects you with others. They, they yeah. take you in. They wrap their arms around you. They fix you at a fraction of what it would have cost to have it done normally. In other words, favor. They showed you favor. They showed you grace. They showed you mercy. Right. And and you are recovered. You know, I'm, I'm assuming you're fully recovered. Hundred percent, man. I just climbed my second fourteener here in Colorado. <laughs> I, I've love, never felt better. You know, it's, lo- it's love to hear that. So you recovered, and then the fruit of all of that is now you're playing even a bigger role in the lives of children throughout the world. In essence, that are yeah. orphaned, that don't have resources, that need help and assistance. All of this stemming from your desire to be a father and your wife's desire to be a mother. And I, I don't even want to go back to that young couple that, that just broke Jen's heart. I mean, I looked at her face as soon as you said that they had decided to abort the baby that you were going to adopt. I'm like, how devastating, how devastating across the board for, for everyone, for not only them, because that'll stay with them for a while, obviously throughout the rest of their lives, but for you, but look, look at how God takes something like that and turns it into something that is is so good and so much bigger than anything you ever would have imagined. That's what I love. I love yeah. stories like that. I get yes. I get all geeked out God about that. Does, man. That's yeah. what that's what he does day in and day out, but we get so caught up and focused on our circumstances, on what we see, and he's so worried and focused on what's unseen. And then it comes to fruition, we go, Oh yeah. Let me learn that lesson again. Let me learn that lesson <laughs> again. I'm not, I'm not paying attention here, you know. But he's, is this he's, the two by four? Is this the two by four upside the oh, head? This is the two by four <laughs> moment. Yeah, we were, we were talking just before the podcast that you know God speaks to me, and He usually needs to use a two by four because He's been telling me all along. It's like the old adage of 
God, where were you? I drowned and you said you'd send me help. Well, yeah, I sent you a boat and a ladder and people going by and a helicopter. And you said, no, I'm waiting on the Lord to deliver me. Well, sometimes he needs to use a two by four for me. So. I mean, that that's consistently a prayer. Jen, Jen will attest to this. I consistently say, Father God, if, it, if you need to use a two by four, use a two by four. If it's a flashing neon billboard sign along the freeway, Father God, then give me that. Because sometimes I'm thick in the head. Sometimes I don't listen. Sometimes I'm not recognizing it's you. So just make it obvious, like Las Vegas obvious, like, okay, just neon big (laughs) billboard sign, right, Jen? Yeah, he does say that. And we actually are, we renovate homes. And so we're around a lot of two by fours. So I'm always like, oh my gosh, like this could happen. Is that was God? She's actually waiting physically for the the two by four to somehow fall and smack me upside the head. Yes, there's so many chances that, for it to happen. There'll be a little bit of comedy in that moment. Okay. You gotta be careful though with the neon sign. You know, that, that sign might say turn left and it takes you in the wrong neighborhood. You gotta be careful <laughs> with what that sign says sometimes. I agree. <laughs> so when you were in the midst of your, of your trial, like like how did you get yeah. through that? Like, did, I mean, was was there ever a point where you said? Father God, why me? Why this circumstance? I mean, or did oh, were you the type man. that just that just was stoic and you know leaned in on your faith and and didn't have a moment like that? I mean, just just describe for us how you because six months a coma for three weeks, you know, colostomy. As soon as you said colostomy bags, I'm like that almost seems hopeless, you know, in a yeah. situation. And you, you know, the zipper upside the front front of your chest. Lord only knows what your wife was thinking at the time. She's wondering, am I losing my husband? So like, how did, how did you weather the onslaught of, of bad news, problems, etc.? You know, I wish I could say that I held fast and firm to my faith. And I thought I had a very robust and deep faith, uh, after being involved in ministry for all those years prior and then moving to Africa and going, okay, God, uh, this is, this is why, this is where my kids are. So I'm going to move there. And you've called me to Africa. So I'm going to move there. And now this, I was pretty flipped with, with the Lord. I'm like, seriously, you got to be kidding me. This is what I moved here for. And um, probably in that quiet voice that I wasn't paying attention to was, yeah, just wait, just wait. Um, and I can see that and now looking back. But I was devastated. I went through a season where I told Charlotte, my wife, I said, honey, I can't even pray. Why would God do this to me? And she, she is the saint in all of this. She said, honey, he didn't do anything to you. He allowed this to happen for whatever reason and purpose, um, but but he didn't do this to you. You're, you're, you're looking at it wrong, and she bathed me in the Word. I mean, every day she's putting the iPod on and sticking uh, earphones in my ears while I'm in a coma playing Christian music and uh, praying over me and talking to me when I was alert and awake, and um, it was just a really sweet season. And I mean, what God gave us in that season, this intimate time with my spouse uh, that we that we were just in a room together and forced into a room together. So a, a little funny story is when we first started dating, we took sign language lessons as part of our dating. So one of our dates was to, to go out to learn sign language. So I come out of a coma and they have to put a trach in and I can't talk. And, and my hands were so shaky and I'd lost so much muscle tone. Uh, I couldn't really write that was legible on a whiteboard. So I'm finger spelling. I'm spelling out words to her. And these African doctors and nurses start to gather around and they're just, their jaws are wide open going, what's going on? How do you know what he's thinking? Because they hadn't seen that type of thing before. And so you can look back at all of life's circumstances and how they collide. And now to be at onechild.org, 
I am so blessed uh, to be with the ministry. We have, I've got 40,000 children, Sean and Jen, 40,000 wow. kids in 14 countries. And check this out. No diapers and nobody wakes me up in the middle of the night. <laughs> I may have got the best end of the deal here. Yeah. That, that, that is it. awesome. You know, I, you know, when I hear, when I hear you talk about, you know, Father God, why me? I mean, I, I, th- I think that some people have yeah. this erroneous expectation that, you know, if you're Christian, if you, if you believe in God, like, like you're, you're, you're like all season, like there's, there's nothing that can, that can shake or rattle you. And, and the reality of it is, is even the most fervent, you know, believers in God, just the most fervent Christ followers, you know, they'll experience adversity. And I think it's all natural for us to go, you know, why me? Like for us, we've done a little of that. We've never encountered the health challenge that you did, but we, we've been through our share of financial hiccups, business hiccups, etc. And, um, you know, you sit back and you, and you take stock and, and I lean in on stories like Job. I lean in stories like Joseph. Yeah. I mean, like in prison for 13 years, sold out by his brothers, you know, made a slave. And it's those he, that love him and know him the closest. Yeah. Yes. Have, yes. And you, and you sit and go and breaking it, events. Yeah. And, and, and it was, it was all preparation for something greater, something bigger. Like it yeah. didn't happen to you, Mitch. I think it happened for yeah. you. You know, and I think that's a that's yeah. a big there's a big difference between the two. And I think not only from a perspective, how am I going to view it? You know, one is victim and then the other one is opportunity, opportunity to grow, opportunity, you know, like to to show his love and look at what's come out of that. Look at your heart. Look at this story. This story is going to encourage somebody else that's experiencing medical medical challenges that doesn't think that there's going to be an end in sight that doesn't imagine how they're ever going to pay for it. Yet here's a situation where you were delivered and from that delivery, now you're doing such excellent works throughout the world. 40,000 kids, 13 countries, or is that how many it was, you said? Yeah, four, 14 countries, yeah. Which, and a couple of those are in the Middle East, which is almost unheard of. So we're, quite frankly, under under the radar a little bit and operate under a different ministry name uh, through that area for obvious reasons. Um, but it's just so encouraging to me to see that. And to hear the life change of, of our kids and to know that the kids, uh, my little girl, Malette in Ethiopia, sponsored her 15 years ago. She's now a school teacher today in Narandran in Southeast Asia. It joined the, uh, the government's military, but he's still healthy and well today. He's in his mid-20s. And so I look back and I just go, our kids are how we change the future. We don't have border crisis. We have countries that are now run by strong youth and by by those that have gone through these programs and by those that understand a deep understanding of who Jesus is in their lives and they change their countries from within not from without so pretty soon they're joining the reins of an advanced economy they're joining the ranks of America and the rest of the the, the nations that have influence over others that are now helping out to their neighboring countries and i believe we are a generation away from seeing that happen in a number of countries. And it's going to be because of, of these kids. These kids are incredible. They, they have such hope for the future, and that's our call. Our call is to inject hope wherever we can into the lives of somebody else so that they can reach their God-given potential. I remember years ago, I was in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and I interviewed this little boy, and uh, he, was, he didn't have a sponsor. 
And I said, why is it important for you to have a sponsor in the state who is at one of the, the hope centers there in the city? And there's a lot of gangs and a lot of activity. He was 12 years old at the time, right at the cusp of really join a gang or find another reason not to join a gang. And uh, he said, I want to have a sponsor. I want somebody to sponsor me every month and write me letters and encourage me. I just want someone. I've got the audio file. I just want someone to know that I exist. Wow. I got to tell you, that's the kind of stuff that just breaks a guy's heart, right? That's what gives me drive and purpose. I talked to uh, one of our child champions. So we, we refer to ourselves as a global community of child champions. And that's really what we are from the facilitator at the Hope Center level to the country director to the handful of staff that's here in Colorado Springs. We are a global community of child champions, and we do what we do so that children will thrive. We got a call last week from uh, one of our country facilitators, and she is this passionate, passionate woman. And she says, here in the Philippines, uh, we're struggling. And there's, there's two kind of stories that go with it. Uh, the, this last week, she said, there's this community, this, this tribal community out on one of the islands, a little fishing community. They have no documentation. They have no paperwork. They have no residency anywhere. They live in little huts built on sticks, so when the tide goes in and the tide goes out, they don't get wet. Absolute filth, no hygiene. She goes, we have to do something about it. We said, right now we're at capacity. The, the virus has slowed down our sponsorships, and we had enrolled all of these children. We have 8,000 more children that we enrolled into the program with anticipation of events that we had planned and scheduled to have all of those kids sponsored. That all got put on hold, but we will not go back to those kids and say, yeah, never mind. We're not going to take care of you now. Uh, so we have committed to that. So it's been an interesting and challenging season, but the Lord is ever faithful. And she says, there's 170 more kids, and I, we have to do something for them. And we said, Manette, we can't. We don't have the capacity. She goes, well, then don't pay me. Use my salary. And we just Whoa. went, oh. There again, that's the heart of the people that are loving these kids. And we said, you know what? This doesn't make any sense on paper, but we have to do it. So those kids are being enrolled and registered this week to go into our program and available for sponsorship. Last month, I was hosting a radio event up in South Dakota. We were focusing on child uh, trafficking. And OSEC, Online Sexual Exploitation of Children, has picked up, according to the Department of Justice in the Philippines, 260% since the lockdown has happened uh, in uh, late March. 260% worse than it was, and it was already bad. And so we, we support a, a ranch there that rehabilitates and rescues girls. And um, I was on the radio, and I got a, a ping from a message from the ranch director. And she says, just want to let you know, three more girls were rescued today. They're at the safe house. We're, we're waiting for clearance to get them over into the ranch. Age 16, age 15, and guys, age 6. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, those 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 stories just break my heart. We're we're actually immediately after our interview with you talking with um, somebody that is on the front lines of human trafficking, etc. So we're 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 eager and excited to talk with her and and uh, spread the word about that mission. And and I know Jen, you know, at our church here, we we've just had this huge heart for. Child trafficking, uh, both in Cambodia and and other places, and our church has supported that immensely, and it's just a, a big deal to us. With right. four boys, and you know, thinking about our kids, and thinking about some of these ages, yeah. I just can't imagine 
you know, uh, what these kids have seen and or gone through. And um, I couldn't imagine a more hopeless situation than something like that, you know, being being in an environment where, uh, you know, these kids are, are trafficked. Like, how, how do you how do you view humanity? How do you view people? How do you view God? Like, how do you view like when that's kind of uh, stuff has happened to you? And I, and I think that I was, I was going back to that uh, with something else that you had said about, you know, coming alongside the children, etc. And I want to say something to the audience. If, if you're listening right now, I, I got to tell you, coming alongside and, and sponsoring a child, Jen and I, we sponsor 12 kids as it sits right now, getting their letters, mm-hmm. you know, them being thankful well, for getting a goat, you know, at yeah. Christmas times, like, you know, like <laughs> right. just some of the most simplest, you know, I got got a new shirt, some of the pictures they draw. I mean, I, I don't think that you can stay in stagnation and, and lament your own right. woes when you get a letter from a kid that lives in in an environment where prior to your sponsorship they had to walk 4 miles to go get water right, kind of thing yeah. you know you you know right. that oh yeah yeah it's- and that's that's the amazing thing is i think we we sometimes get so focused on the me 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 mm-hmm. we forget about the he 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 and what he's doing and how he's going to accomplish that work and how he's going to see that through um, i'll send you guys a copy of the audio uh, here uh, after the show but there's a there's a, a young girl uh, we've we've uh, we've we've named her Yan Yan. Uh, we try to protect her identity, but she wrote a song about her loving father. She's one of the 16 year olds at the at the ranch, and she's been there for a number of years. And it's one of those things that you know it doesn't have to be on key. You can hear the heart in it. This girl loves the Lord and understands that what happened to her wasn't wasn't by him. It was by man's own depravity. But she has a God that loves her. And that's the kind of hope when you can inject that kind of hope into kids and into, into people's lives, knowing and trusting for a better future, that there's a better future out there and helping to point them to it. It changes everything. And I love that. I love watching that happen with our kids, whether they're in Ethiopia or Haiti or Honduras, or if they're in India or Cambodia or Philippines, uh, Lebanon, uh, or, or, or hopefully soon, even Israel, we're looking to expand um, into those areas. But we've, we've got to get this thing covered for now. And, and the, you know, we, we, we like to think about, I can make a difference, and you certainly can. Remember the old story about the starfish? Little boy walking on the beach, picks up a starfish. Old man says, what are you doing? You can't make a difference. He goes, I can for that one, and he throws it back in the water. Yes. Well, what if we rewrote that story today? What if we rewrote that story to say little kids walk along the beach, take a picture of a starfish, sends out a tweet and uh, an Insta post to all of his friends and says, hey, come join me. We can make a difference. And by the end of the day, all of the starfish are rescued. Oh, I love that, I Mitch. I love that. It's you great. just turn that on its head that's and it's better. I mean, that's that's the beauty of the, of the world we live in right now with social media and communication and the ability to influence people, attract people and share a mission, share a story. And uh, I love that. I, I mean, I can't wait to hear that song. I want to, if you'll send me that song, I want to post it at the end of our of our interview today, if, if I'm allowed For to. Sure. So I want people yeah. to, to hear that. I think that'd yeah. be a great, great thing to to have. But uh, speaking of sponsorship, you know, with onechild.org, you know, what does it take to sponsor a child? Because I'm, I'm telling anybody that's listening right now, you want to be more hope filled, give to others, G- you know, sponsor a child, do something productive yeah. like that. Come alongside another human on the planet that is in a far more dire, far more uh, restricted, far less affluent situation than you. And, and I guarantee you, you're going to be hope filled. So how, how does how does that work? 
Let me preface it with a question for you, Sean and Dan. When's the last when's the last time you guys ate out? <laughs> I can't I can't even remember actually. We weren't big eater outers beforehand, but like it's it's been a while. It's probably with years. Yeah, it's probably been well, last time we were down in Mexico is probably the last time that we ate out. Yeah. So let's say July. Okay. Yeah. Let's say let's say July. Last time you ate out was July. And you've got a family of four boys? Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh, that's that costs a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, all all in teenagers or above. So you get you can only imagine what the food bill is, right? Yeah, you're, you're probably dropping if you went to eat out at a, even just a sit down restaurant. You're probably dropping close to a hundred bucks. Yeah, pretty easily. Is that fair to say? No, fa- definitely fair to say. Easy. So to sponsor a child to literally change a child's life, sponsorship provides medical care, educational support, food. Holistic childhood development, that of course includes their understanding and their opportunity to come to understand who Jesus Christ is. So Bible clubs, kids camps, daily daily studies in the Word, um, all of that, $39 a month. For as long as someone's able, we're not going to put them in the hook for all of eternity. We're going to say for as long as you're able to change the life of that child, mm-hmm. trust me, it'll change yours more. And it's only $39 a month. My wife and I can barely go out to eat unless if we're hitting Chick-fil-A, you know, for <laughs> under 40 bucks. <laughs> well, if three, pe- so, if three people order Chick-fil-A, it's it's going to be 40 bucks. I'll tell you that much so right now. So expensive. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, so, so it's, 40, it's $39 a month for as long as somebody's able to do it. And the great thing is at OneChild.org, you can see the pictures of those children. You're going to get an email back as soon as you sponsor that child. You're going to get a packet in the mail about a week later that explains the whole process in greater detail to you. Then you're going to get to write your letters, and you can make an account and write them digitally to your child, or you can write them on paper, and then it goes to a translator and goes to your child, and they write back. You can send pictures, tell them about your life, ask them about their lives. I remember uh, my little sponsored boy in Dominican Republic years ago. I'm walking down the streets of his community. His community was named See if you can get out, and it's, it's part of it because it's kind of uh, woven through this, these little tiny alleys. Part of it is because nobody ever gets success when they come from that community, mm-hmm. and what a horrible thing to speak over a child's life. Well, I, I'm walking down the, the, the hallways, or it feels like hallways, the, the sidewalks of this little community, and he comes running up to me, and he's holding this little tiny letter, and it is just tattered. It looks like a tissue, and he goes, look at this, look at this, and his English was very broken, but he picked up enough. And I picked it up, and it was a letter I had sent him four or five years before. Whoa. And he clung to that letter. He Aww. wrapped it up. He put it in his pocket. He pulled it out. He read it. He said, I read every day. And he read this letter every day. And he just said, I'm praying for you. I believe that you have a great future. And I can't wait to see how God does what he wants to do in your life and how one day you're going to change your people. Something that simple. And this little boy clung to it. You get the opportunity to do that. Tell me that's not worth 39 bucks. I mean, come on. Well, we can all find 39 bucks. It's definitely worth the $39. And from a hope perspective, I guarantee you, if you could spend $39 <laughs> right now to feel more hope-filled, to feel more gratitude, to feel more 
grounded and, and outside of your own situation. I think the easiest way to forget about your own problems is to come alongside and help somebody else with theirs. That's, that's really the secret. And I think that we have a huge opportunity right now in 2020 to do that. You know, like there, there's, everybody is in a situation where they, they're touched by somebody else's adversity. If they just pay attention to it, whether it's a restaurant owner, whether it's a gym owner, whether it's somebody that's now part-time that used to be full-time, whether it's, you know, like there, there's no shortage. I'm sure there's some people that are thriving right now in 2020, but I think that there's also a lot of people that aren't. And so if you pay attention to that, come alongside those people, lift, lend a hand and, and, and help somebody up. And especially when you think about how much opportunity we have in the, in the States, you know, versus other countries and what they're dealing with and what they face and some of the basic human necessities that they don't have, whoa, you start to go, you know what? I don't have it that bad. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I may be working part-time, but at least I have a job. At least I have comforts of home. At least I have air conditioning and a faucet I can turn on to get water and medical care and all this other stuff. A lot of the things that we take for granted, I think. So, you know, I love yeah. what you guys are doing. And uh, $39 is, is what, five or six grande mochas at Starbucks or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's next to nothing. Can you get that many for that? I don't know. I was, yeah. was going to say like three, maybe three or four, maybe. Well, I, well you know, I hadn't been to Starbucks yeah, yeah, in a long yeah, time. I, I, yeah. I didn't remember the last time a mocha frap cost ten bucks. But you, you get my point. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty close, you, yeah. right? Yeah. All the, all the, yeah. the small change you know, we take for granted. And it, it's a small change in our lives to make a life change in somebody else's, and, and that's really that's the message of hope. Is it doesn't take that much. And you can really literally change somebody's life and you can do that today. Um, so I, if, if you are listening and you are compelled at all, learn more, visit onechild.org. You'll get a feel for who we are, our passion for the cause, our, our agility and our mobility that we can initiate and go into places that we, we go into the hard places. We bring hope to very hard places. And so those hard places might look like Turkana, Kenya under a famine. They might look like Nicaragua under uh, political duress. It might look like the Philippines, uh, child trafficking, or the sea gypsies, the Bajau people with no identification and no nationality. Those hard places in America might just look like our hearts. And that's yeah. the hardest one to penetrate. And that's the hardest place to sometimes go, is to look inward at that very hard place and go, God, what do you want from me? How are you going to use this? Fill in the blank with whatever you're going through. How are you going to use this for your glory and my good and that's really all it comes down to is how's god gonna do this because we get to one day see it i had a friend that brought in a tapestry once he hung it backwards on the wall and he said what do you see and everybody's like well a couple short and long colored threads and uh just really a mess of fabric he turns it around he goes well that's what you see that's what you see but this is what god sees it was this majestic tapestry of an eagle flying over a mountain and he goes every thread had a purpose every every length every color every design had its, its intent. It may not have been easy being pulled through that fabric, but look at what God has done with it. And I just love that imagery of what God has done and what he continues to do in all of our lives. And so I just want to encourage people today, be filled with hope. He is the God of hope. And if we can't latch onto that, we're, we're walking a little too much in the flesh and certainly not enough in the spirit. Well said. Yeah. Well said, Mitch. Thank you so really much. Good. Thank you so much for your story. Thank you so much for your truth and your reminders of how good we have it. And and also your prompting to, to come alongside others, especially yes. kids in 
14 different countries, 40,000 kids, these, these kids, um, you, you know, without the support that life is so much different, so much harder, so much more bleak, mm-hmm. so much more hopeless without that support. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing about uh, onechild.org's mission. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you, I, it was awesome to talk with you. And, and I love how you just roll out the scripture, man. I just <laughs> yeah, love it. I good. just, the, the stories and the visual and everything. I can, I can tell you had a background in radio. <laughs> A little background on radio, a little background on the pulpit, but uh, I'm right where God needs me and right where I want to be today. So that helps. It's, yes. It's cool how he does that, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. Look at your background. Yeah, you've totally. Got finance, you've got you know, marathon running, and look at how that's collided now into house flipping and now Hope Radio podcasting. How yes. cool is that? That's yes. Really cool. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mitch. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. Likewise. God bless you guys. So, Sean, what did you think about our interview with Mitch? I thought it was awesome. I, you know, I was inspired off the air. He mm-hmm. prayed for us, and I was I like, oh. like his prayer was so awesome. He's just got such a God heart. Mm-hmm. Hearing his story, though, like this this surgery, and then like I feel like it's something out of the movies, like out of a Frankenstein movie or something. Like yeah. I feel like I imagine him going in for appendicitis. They're supposed to remove his appendix, and next thing you know, he's got like multiple things missing. I'm just thinking, like, is that even legal? Like, can I mean, you're you? in a different country. Like, it, like I thought the same thing. Like, did he sign a release? Hey, if we encounter yeah. X, Y, Z, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And I, I just don't think it rolled out like that. I just think in, in those parts of the world, in that country, mm-hmm. if something happens, it's just... It's not the United States. It's yeah, not the system it's and the rules and the laws and the, and, the, and the care. And he, unfortunately was the recipient of a a real big challenge. I mean, it reminded me of like, um, you know how people steal people's kidneys? Yes. And you just wake up and you're like, it's gone. Yeah. Like I was just like having a panic attack. Like I don't want to be put under because that is like a fear of, you know, something wrong happening. Yeah. 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 You Yikes. don't like not having control. And no. so the whole idea that you're not in control and right. that something could happen to you. I would have you. woken up and been like, I did not say you can do that. Like, I would have not <laughs> Put it back. been Give it happy. Back. Like, that tumor needed to stay there. I will tell you when I can remove that tumor. Like, yeah. like whoa. But thank God that they even found that. So, you know, it's all a blessing. But, but then the cascade. Mm-hmm. The cascade of challenges that he mm-hmm. went through after that, you know. But, like, when you, you listen to, when you listen to him now, and so I think that this is, this is the thread of hope. Yeah. Okay? That even though he went through that, mm-hmm. even though that was scary, even though that was, like, out of left field, why me, why me? He now is able to look back on it and see it differently. Yeah. See the it's a testimony. It's 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 God was with him and then look at what he's been able to do with his life since then. I mean the whole mission they wanted to adopt a child and then the yeah. couple aborted the baby. Like that 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 was crazy. But now look at how God has has fulfilled them by mm-hmm. being the pseudo parents to 40,000 yeah. kids in 14 different countries, you know. You know what I love too is that I mean, he's gone through so much. Him and his wife had gone through so much. And you could hear the joy in his voice regardless. Like, yeah. 
it, that was incredible to me. Like yeah, he the still God had loving hope. joy, yes. the hope, the joy, the hope, the perseverance, the love, that you know, just the positive attitude to having been through what he'd been through. Right. But see, I think that that's a testament to the work he's doing too. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you cannot lament your own yeah. problems and wallow in your own misery when you're trying to 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 feed a child exactly. that has to walk three miles to go get water or food or whatever. Yeah, or right? a child that's grateful for a letter. You know, yeah. like it's, it's kind of like us. Things like that. We can't be whining about the fact that we don't have houses moving faster no. than they are when we're on the radio hearing stories of people going through like what he went through <laughs> exactly, right so it's exactly. you just can't stay in that space no, no especially if you're a recovering narcissist like <laughs> i am like it's not about me right yeah, i've known nothing about that yeah so I, th- I thought it was awesome and then specifically what they're trying to do the feeding the children the mm-hmm. 39 bucks a day literally how many that's a few coffees a week it's yeah. it's it's a, a dinner out and yet it makes all the difference in the world and child, yeah. you know what is is funny he's connecting me with somebody that we're gonna have on the show that actually was a sponsored child that has come back around after being a sponsored child and is actually a, a an artist rep. He's a he's a producer and a, and a representative for musicians. And so it's just crazy for me to see somebody rise up out of one of these countries where they have literally next to nothing to come to the states and make something big of themselves. So I think that that's awesome. It's just God's love. God's work in action and uh it's just hope inspiring to me. Hope yeah. filling. Well, if you'd like more of these hope-filled messages, then you can listen to us on any any platform you consume podcasts on. So we're on iHeartMedia, Amazon Alexa, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. all of them, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good ones. But you can also connect with us on Hope Radio Podcast and Hope Radio Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, both. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have a story of hope to share, maybe your story is a hope-filled story, connect with us, DM us in our Facebook or Instagram account. We'd love to connect with you further on possibly doing an interview if you're open to it. Yeah, we'd love to hear your hope-filled story, uh, whether it's yours personally or whether it's another story for somebody else. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Yeah, so here's what I think we should do, Jen. What should we do? I think we should do another show. I think we should have another interview. I think we should have another guest starting tomorrow. I say heck yes. Let's do it then. Okay. Here's a preview of Hope Radio Podcast, episode number 70. Something I've learned is is that I'm, I'm a supporter. I love to support people. And I, I would tell you, the more I reach out to support people, the more it just comes back to you. And it could be a nice gesture. It doesn't have to be a... It, it just can be something so simple. It doesn't have to be big. Something small, simple. But I can tell you, during the the colitis and all that stuff, it was not easy because I was very frustrated. I was asking God why, you know, and I can still remember sitting in the room in in my hospital saying, I don't care what anybody else has got next to me. I want what they've got because I cannot stand this. 